Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello and welcome to the 257th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And I'm joined tonight by Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. And Dana, ooh, we are two weeks away. <laughs> two weeks away from like the, the moment we've been waiting for. Honestly, I would say almost like for 10 years, because mm -hmm. when's the last time there was this much reason to be hopeful and excited, truly, that the CX team could get significantly better, significantly better. And literally two weeks from right now, the Seahawks will have at least one new player and probably by now two new players, depending on how fast the draft's going in the round. Who knows? Maybe they'll have three new players if they do something crazy. Dana, we have a lot to talk about. I am too, too, too excited to host tonight. So I'm <laughs> going to ask you to actually keep us on track and, and guide us through this conversation. But first of all, how's it going? How's life? 
It's good. Yeah. Kansas City is getting revved up for this draft. Like it's crazy what is going on downtown right now. They've shut down roads and they're building it almost looks like an amusement park. I don't know what mm. the hell they're doing, but they're scaffolding everywhere. And it's it's crazy down in front of our Union Station. It's just which is a beautiful, beautiful old building. And so it's going to be gorgeous. Um It'll be a fun, it'll be a fun draft. So I'm excited about that. Um, just like I just told you, I just got confirmation of my press pass. So I'm super excited that I'll get to go interview some of these players, even though the list that came out, I was kind of surprised there was only what 17 names on it, but it'll be nice to go to meet these new players and, and chat with them. But you know, it, it's been really interesting. And yes, I am happy to host at the same time with just the two of us. It's gonna be kind of more conversational. I'm really excited about that. Um, and so not, I mean, I'm sad that the other boys couldn't make it. It, but this is the off season. That's, you know, kind of what happens. But I think that what's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weeks, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, is um, the up and down of the players, the, 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 you know, rising of the stock, the lowering of the stock, the trash talk, you know, from the agents. Oh, my players better than this, but it's so funny because it's already started. It's already built up, you know, Jalen Carter hit the floor and now he's rising back up again. And now all of a sudden everyone's mad at CJ Stroud, which is crazy to me. So I think that's really kind of the fun part for me um, over the next few weeks is to see how the ebb and flow of that happens. So, well, you remember, I know you remember, not everyone on uh, that's watching may remember or listening, but you being at the draft last year mm -hmm. was a pretty great experience. And specifically, I always remember that everybody around you was so excited about Kenneth Walker getting picked. Mm -hmm. And you just, you came out of that saying like, I think we got a real one. And you and everyone else there was absolutely right. Yeah, it was crazy. The reaction from what I saw from um, Seahawks fans on Twitter was the exact opposite of what was happening in the room around me. And I love that because it gives, you know, an kind of an out of fandom, you know, look at a pick and everyone is like, oh, the Seahawks just stole that kid. I mean, they were just so excited about it. So that was really fun. And and it turned out to be right. Thank God. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood, you know, whatever. If it turned out to be a bust, poor Nathan's head would have exploded by now. So, you know, it's it's good. Um, it turned out to be it's it's a lot of fun. And it's it's a lot of fun to chat with, you know, other reporters and their thoughts and getting their ideas on players and how other teams are doing. I, I learned a lot about the opinions of the media of cert about certain teams and and uh and how um how they change and vary so very much. So it was it's a lot of fun. But I am really excited. But before before we get to draft stuff, I, I, is it okay if we talk just a minute about yeah. Sherman's latest podcast? Yeah. So I don't know if you, uh, most people have probably seen the clips right now. God knows Quandre puts them out there. I love Quandre Diggs. Um, so uh, Richard Sherman had Quandre Diggs on his podcast. It was a fascinating conversation between the two of them because a couple of things happened. First of all, he told that great, the great story about that Pete ran through the whiteboard. I'm sure you guys have seen that clip where the night before the Denver game, he was so amped up and wanted to do it. So he ran through a whiteboard, which had Sherman just flabbergasted. Um, but it was interesting to see Quandre's perspective of Seattle and Seattle as a team. He basically said he wanted to come here. He wanted to come here mostly because of Earl Thomas, who was one of his idols, which I was a great, he had a great, a lot of great things to say about Earl. Um, and what the Legion of Boom was and how that really drew him in as a college player. And then he talked about the differences between the two um, teams and how Detroit was no fun. 
and how you came to Seattle was totally different. That made me happy as a fan because that was the reputation of Seattle for so long. It was like the fun place to be and everyone would come here. But we kind of thought that that had, you know, waned a bit over the last few years that it just wasn't quite there. And to know that it is still there and that players are still so excited to be there. It was really fun to kind of listen to his perspective on that. Um, and Sherman wasn't snarky at all, which I was totally waiting for him to be snarky about Seattle's one way or another. Um, but that was a, re was a really good interview. The other thing, and I think that you'll find this interesting, unless you probably already know this, but Sherman went on for a little bit about how he really hoped Seattle went back to their old scheme, that hmm. they needed to get simpler. They didn't need to make it complicated. And yes, he went on and on about how, you know, team said, oh, we had it figured out and it was too basic, but they still couldn't stop it even when it was basic and how he really hoped that. And I wrote it down. He says he didn't want the younger players like Tariq to have to overthink it to just play their part. And I thought that was really interesting because I know a lot of people have kind of commented about that lately. It is interesting. I'm curious. What did, what did Quandre say? Oh, uh, he agreed completely. Really? Yeah. He That's did. Well, I mean, is he going to argue with Sherman on his own podcast? I don't know, but he did agree on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think that the the frustrating part there is the Seahawks did stick with that defense for a long time after it was not working for a long time. And one of the real confounding decisions to make, and this is a Pete Carroll level decision, this is a head coach level decision, and it's a decision that a lot of leaders struggle with in the in these kinds of situations, not just coaches, but you can stick with the same thing and keep that constant, keep the scheme constant and realize that you need a tremendous amount of talent in order to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And that no scheme is going to hide that. But if you stick with it and stick with it and stick with it and teams not only are taking advantage of your lack of talent, but they're taking advantage of the fact that they know how simple that defense is and they know how to beat it because they know Seattle and Seattle's so repetitive mm -hmm. at some point you're like well do we have to try something else in order to see if we can get more out of the talent we have or maybe there's a way part of the reason the seahawks really jumped out with that scheme when pete came in is they were playing a different defense than what was really being played a lot in the nfl they were playing different players within that defense tall corners they had the earl cam kind of connection so they had this different approach and then the league kind of caught up. And so it's tough because you look at you look at other teams, you look at where Gus Bradley went and he took that defense with him. You would look at Dan Quinn and he took the defense with them. And those haven't really worked out very well. Dan Quinn has done great, but he's done great partially because he's moved away from that defense. So it is really hard to change. And now I feel like the Seahawks potentially are in this no man's land where Pete is not an expert in the defense that they're now currently. I mean, he's an expert on any defense, but this is not his Bud Grant based, like super he knows the every in and out, every counter move. And so I think they don't have the expert in the building. And they also haven't had the talent. 
So it is a question. I think it's a totally legit question about whether, and there's different parts of it, Dana. There's the three, four versus four, mm -hmm. three part. There is the, the three deep, like the single high safety versus two deep safety. That's a separate part. You can mix and match these things, but I am really curious. And, and when we get into talking about the top 30 visits, there are some interesting clues in there about who's visiting that I think signal which direction this is going. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, we can, I, I just didn't understand because Sherman, that was probably what he was comfortable in. It worked for him. So he's, right. you know, has like kind of a soft spot for that. And, you know, and, and maybe, you know, that's why he says that. I don't know. But well, I think what a lot of people are noticing is that last year just wasn't working. And that could be from talent. That could be, you know, from scheme. It could be a mm -hmm. mix of a whole bunch of things, injury, all that stuff. Um, and so I think that's probably where he's leaning. He's like, no, 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 it worked for us. We won a Super Bowl, you know, sort of a thing. So it was a well, great like conversation. Many, I'm curious, Dana, do you really, how much do you buy into the fact that like, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, you know, Byron Maxwell, Brandon Browner, uh, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Bruce Irvin, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Brandon Meebane. Would they have worked in any scheme or were they really dependent on this type of scheme, scheme in order to, to excel? I don't think so. Although we did see some of those players when they left not do as well. Right. Um, that is true. Here's what I really think it is. If you really want to know my opinion is, I, I think that that was a lightning in a bottle. And I, I say that all the time. I think you had the perfect players in the perfect scheme playing with each other. That that chemistry and that um, that complete combination of talent and different, different um, uh, ways to communicate and all the stuff that they did. I, I always say it was a historic defense for a reason. It's not going to happen again. And so you, even though it was super simple defense, it worked perfectly for the people who were on the field at the time. Yeah. And I don't think that that can be repeated maybe to a certain extent, but that the, the level of perfection, and I do use that word perfection, that defense was, um, I think had, it was the perfect magic potion for it all to come together and work. Yeah, I think the likelihood that the Seahawks are going to get a scheme advantage the way that they had, I think, a scheme advantage initially when they ran that defense is super low. Yeah. The chances that Pete is going to find with Clint Hurt and whoever else the players to fit this new scheme and that they'll be great and that they can that they can be great even though it's a different scheme, I think is possible. Do so so it's <sighs> Honestly, it's a conundrum. I, I could go multiple different directions on this particular decision, and I'm sure the Seahawks have. The absolute truth that doesn't matter is you got to have talent. Mm -hmm. no matter, whatever scheme you're playing, you've got to have blue chip, dominant talent that other teams have to deal with. And frankly, they didn't have the right guys. They didn't have the right level of talent, and they didn't have the right talent for the system they were running last year. And they were kind of like all over the place trying to figure out what to do. So it was almost everything was not the way you want it last year. <laughs> it was a disaster. You can just say it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much the opposite of everything we talked about that was good with, with the Legion mm -hmm. of Boom. So yeah, they've got to start by just getting more talent. No doubt. Yeah, they have to.
So another interesting part to kind of segue into that of the podcast, um, Sherman and Quandre talked about who they wanted to for Seattle to pick at number five. And mm -hmm. I thought that this one was really interesting because both of them straight out the gate were like, we want that boy from Bama. Like they want Will Anderson. They want Will Anderson. And but they're like, if he's not there, you have to go with the guy from Georgia. And they said Jalen Carter. And that's who they want. Now, granted, these are defensive boys having a conversation. Right. And so I agreed wholeheartedly with them. But at the same time, I know that other people think differently, but they they had a really good um, take on Jalen Carter and they Quandre was saying that, yes, he has had some problems and that, but he really thought you get him in Seattle, you get him around Bobby, you get him around Quandre, you get him around, you know, Cliff and Cam and Sherm that all come back all the time, you know, KJ, you get him around those and you teach him how to be a professional. I don't know if they think that's their job or not, but that's what Quandre was saying. And, and then, Sherman threw in that Seattle had learned their lesson about Malik. And so they weren't going to let him leave Seattle. They're going to get him an apartment across the street from VMAC and make and have security walk him over every day for class. Like it was a really cute little bit, but I found it interesting that they're like the talents there, the it's the player's job to teach him how to be a vet. I thought that was a really interesting take. This is the question of the it draft, is. Dana. Mm -hmm. This is going to be, we are not going to know what happens until the words come out of the mouth. Um, you know, uh, well, technically we'll probably find out from a tweet somewhere, but <laughs> I won't. <laughs> uh, I think that there is increasing confidence from folks that not just like pundits, but people that have, watched these players play on the field that are somewhat independent. I'm talking about guys that follow the SEC. I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking about former players who pretty consistently are like Jalen Carter is the real deal on the field. Like this guy has, I was listening to an interview on Brock and Salk with uh, a guy, I think his name is David Pollock. Uh, I might be getting the last name wrong, but mm -hmm. he works for ESP or for college game day. He used to work for the SEC or follow the SEC and cover the SEC. And he said, Jalen Carter has traits that there maybe haven't been guys that have these traits in the last decade. Um, he's like, wow. He was like, this guy is Chris Jones. This guy is Jeffrey Simmons and not the real Jeff Simmons on this podcast, but the one in Tennessee that just got a big old bag of money. And he's like, this guy is going to be dominant within a year or two. Like I just, he will be one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. And I think that that seems to be a pretty consistent point of view now. Mm-hmm. But even this guy, when asked, like, but how's his football character? Does he love playing football? Forget the off-field stuff. Right. Does he love playing football? And he had to pause. And he's like, well, I think him playing for Pete Carroll would be great. And, you know, and I'm telling you, Dana, I could be like 100% all in on Jalen Carter. The fact that that's a question dramatically reduces the chances he will be a Seahawk. Right. Not because I don't want him, but that that is not like how many players of the Seahawks drafted that have questions about how much they love playing the game. Mm -hmm. 
not off field, but on field. Right. So that, that like, it's stressful, Dana, because it's. Well, it makes you wonder what type of conversations they had, like with him, with his visit, right? They brought him out for a reason. They wanted to talk to him for a reason. They needed to get their hands on this kid and say, okay, what happened at your pro day? You know, what about all these rumors? You know, why is it, you know, seems to be well known that you take plays off, you know? And so having those conversations and honest to God, maybe the kid just thought he could coast through college ball and still be great because he's so talented. You know, there, I, I, but at the same time, do you want that on your team? I, I don't know. Right. Like the talent is there. It's no question. Right. Insane talent. And like you said, just taking the off the field stuff away is the motor there? Is he going to be a guy who just phones it in? Because that just can't happen in the pros. He's going to go in the top 10. I, he, there's no question about it. Someone's going to take him. Whether or not he decides, you know, to to go forward from that, I, I don't know. He'll probably be good for a couple of years if he doesn't, you know, peter out at that point. But I will say this. I do think that probably what happened to him off the field, which I think teams were hearing more about him now too, because teams know that there's not going to be some legal issues. Not, you know, he's going to be able to play like all of that stuff. Um, I think it, it is possible that that situation hopefully woke him up a little bit and realized this could all be gone tomorrow. You never know. You never know what's going to motivate someone. And I think that that's what those, those team visits are for. They had, they had to talk to him. And of course we'll never know how it went. You know, I think, it is. I will. I'll go this far, Dana. I will say I was surprised that they brought him out. Really? Not because, yeah, not like. If I'm just being very honest, when I saw that, I, I got a little excited. I was like, okay, so they're still considering this guy. That's yeah. the level of concern I had that this guy just wasn't even an option for them. I, I think that his pro. I'm not even talking about the off field. I'm talking about the. I'm not even talking mm-hmm. about the rumors about motivation, but. His pro day performance. Disaster. I don't think you could have done something that would be more antithetical to the way Pete Carroll and John Schneider look for someone Mm -hmm. and not even finish. If he had bad scores, I think that's more explainable for him to not finish drills Mm -hmm. and to show up overweight. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, are they going to even think about this guy? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they brought him out, I was thinking, okay, this is still a possibility. And I'm curious from your perspective, knowing all these things, mm-hmm. what do you think he would have to say? What would he, what would he have to do? Cause they can't work him out. What would he have to do in that meeting to convince them it was worth the risk? You know, I, the, it's as simple as ex- explain himself and granted Explain himself without his agent telling him how to explain himself. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. we're not looking for a used car salesman and the agent here, right? And his agent is very well respected. I'm not trying to diss his agent. But I'm just saying that they needed, and you know, that's the great thing about Pete Carroll for sure and John Snyder. They seem to have a pretty good, like, feel for players. Um, Not always. We know there's been hiccups for sure. But they seem to have a pretty good feel. And because once bitten twice shy, right? Like they're going to be extra careful with him that I think that, that he would have had to sat down and say, listen, this is what happened. And I am mortified and I promise you, I will do better. Whatever it is 
in their hours long conversations that they have. But I think just something valid of what the hell happened. And then maybe they can go forward from there. But I too, because we saw so many people on Twitter saying he's not even on their board. Nope. They wrote him right off. This proved that's obviously not true. So yeah, he, you could say, it could say it's a smokescreen. I don't think there's a reason for it to be a smokescreen. I don't think they'd waste a visit on it. I, I don't think they need to do anything like that. There is, there was a lot of talk about, Hey, he's restricting his himself to only top 10 visits. He's only going to the top 10 teams and why that's really silly for a lot of reasons. But there's also some rumors that the bears mm-hmm, are yeah. not going to let him go by not number nine. Mm-hmm. If he were to fall that far and that that's why that's the only reason Rosenhaus his agent would restrict that. And that seems right to me that they probably do that. I also would bet Drew Rosenhaus has really been working on how this guy has to show up. And (laughs) this is the most cynical perspective, Dana (laughs) felt like there was a limit of how many times Jalen Carter could pull it off and wants his rehearsal to be like only for the ones that he can manage. doesn't want to have another off performance. So Mm -hmm. Anyway, oh, I we're going to kick well. ourselves in the ass if he's good and the CL doesn't take him. <laughs> oh, God, that is just what would the, it be comparable crux. to? Like, I, it, you know, Creed Humphrey is the one we always I was talk about. Say- <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the same, though. Creed Humphrey was such a clean, clean read. This guy's not right. It's fair. You know, I look back, I'd have to look back at some other drafts, but. Well, let's say DK and Seattle did end up with him, but how many other teams passed on him because of what they heard and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it's not the same. He performed well at everything, but you know what I mean? Like Seattle actually came out on the winning end of that one. Yeah, it's going to be. Will you be more concerned if they call his name or if they pass on him and he goes to some other team? If they pass on him. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I think I'll be like, because I don't know who they would take after that unless Will Anderson is sitting there. And I thought Wilson, then some guy completely ripped me apart on the internet because I'm, he's like, Tyree Wilson is terrible for this team. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, sorry. But um, it was like, okay, but now we're hearing that other teams are more interested. And that's, this is the fun part. Oh, I heard that the bears aren't going to let him get past nine. I heard that Arizona is going to, you know, take full set. There's it. That's the fun of all of it. So, well, yeah. And the other, you said, you know, I don't know who else they would take. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing that's come out this week was, I think this was Matt Miller at ESPN talking to GMs and the rumor he's hearing is if the, if both the defensive linemen, Anderson and Carter are gone, that Devin Weatherspoon, the cornerback is a player that the Seahawks really like. And that would be really interesting, Dana. Like I, I, we talked last week about uh, the fact that Schneider's draft history, he's never drafted a cornerback cornerback before the third round. They've had a lot of success in the fourth round and later. And there's so many good corners in this draft. And there's Corey Trice. Like there's guys all the way, like there'll be later rounds that have really interesting profiles it would be a massive departure for them to go cornerback at number five or even number seven or whatever like that. But man, if they're that excited about a cornerback and you pair him with Tariq Woolen, that's a pretty big deal too. So 
I found myself a little bit excited about that. I don't know if it's real, but but that's that might be where they go if they don't go with Carter. Mm-hmm. I did read that too. And Witherspoon, um, for those you know who don't know, he's he's five eleven. He's out of Illinois. All the things they say about him, it he feels very sea hockey. <laughs> if that's is that a word? I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that the draft um, guide that I use is my friend Emery Hunt's draft guide, and he has him ranked number one um cornerback for field he he breaks them up in the different like different categories and stuff and he really likes him too and i read that too that there's a lot of buzz about him i think that that would fall flat with the fan base a little bit do you know what i mean i i mean those who know and are excited to get him and that would be great but i i would think that the fan base would be like really that's not what we need we need the give line. Me, da, da, da. give me your top three in order about what you think the fan base would be most excited about. Oh, I will Anderson will just make everyone's head explode. You like think we will all Anderson know that. would be the, sure. the consensus yeah. first. Okay. Yeah. I think, that, number I, th- two. I think, well, I think that's where you start to split and that's when the fan bases start to split. So there's the Jalen Carter defensive line, that sort of level. And then there's those people who want a quarterback if yep. you can't get Will Anderson. Yep. And so I, from what I can tell, it's literally kind of split down the middle. Of course, I'm going defense. I want Jalen Carter instead, if I could have that um, over a quarterback. Um, third, I mean, if for some crazy reason, both Anderson and Carter are gone, I would assume they'd trade. That's mine. But if there is a quarterback sitting there and it's one of those top quarterbacks, although I heard something very interesting today I was going to ask you about, um, maybe you have to take one of them if they're sitting there. If CJ Stroud is sitting there, you maybe you have to. I don't know. Well, this isn't um, my list of who I would be most excited about, but I think my read of the fan base in general, at least the Twitter version of the fan base, the Twitter, yeah, <laughs> is there'd be the most excitement if they took Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. The second would be Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and the third would be probably Jalen Carter. Yeah. Although there's going to be some groups that that's really against that. There's a lot of folks that don't want that to happen. So if it gets below that, like it's possible. I I don't know if people would be that upset about Devin Witherspoon. I think there'd be people that'd be pretty excited about it. It I mean, still defense. So that's good. Exactly. Exactly. But man, it's going to be fascinating. It's gonna be fascinating. What did you hear about quarterback? I, so it was interesting today. Um, I I listened to um Sirius XM NFL Radio to and from work, and they were having a conversation. I'm moving the chains today about this quarterback class, and and uh, one of them, I can't remember which one, made the comment that he had been saying pretty much all draft, all off season, draft season, um, that this class didn't really have a lot of round one talent level quarterbacks that it just had a lot of quarterback needy teams. So they become round one level talent and that he really didn't feel that the talent in this class was as big as people were making it. And that then they get into a conversation about some of these quarterbacks that you could get, you know, literally rounds five through seven that might make just as much of an impact as some mm-hmm. of these other guys. It was fascinating. Cause I, you know, I don't pay attention to quarterbacks. I don't care, but it was very interesting. Some of the names that they were kind of throwing around down there and they're like, you'll get him in the sixth and he could sit on your bench for two years and be amazing. So I thought that that was interesting that if, if 
these big quarterbacks that everyone wants. And, you know, Anthony Richardson wrote that letter today <laughs> that he put out there for Players Tribune. It's very interesting letter. It was very good for him. But, you know, these, these big quarterbacks that we know these teams are going to take, but what gem could you find later? And so it was a really interesting conversation. I, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit, but like, I know, I know there's very strong feelings about Anthony Richardson and I know that people aren't happy that I'm not a big fan and, and it really bugs some people that you don't, it, it is. <laughs> and I, I don't mind. I mean, I just yeah. am always going to be honest about my perspective and I, it's not that I'm blind to it. I, I understand what, if I was going to make the case for Anthony Richardson, I would say he is the most talented player, the most talented athlete in this entire draft. So his ceiling is ridiculously high. There's no doubt about it. And, and I see that I get it. I think that he seems like not only a great guy, he seems like a smart guy. He's a great athlete. So there's a lot of things to work with there that could be really cool. And I get you could have him sitting behind Geno Smith and developing and learning from a, like a super smart guy. All that makes sense. Um, if I were to bet, I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback. I, that's part of my, I, I don't see that in him. I see potential. I don't see a high potential, a high likelihood to reach that potential. And so I compare him to a guy like Dorian Thompson Robinson of UCLA, who very different player uh, from a, you know, height, weight perspective, but you're still talking about an exceptional athlete. Mm -hmm. actually had the 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 strongest arm strength for, at least from a velocity perspective of any quarterback at the combine terrific leader uh, i think has a lot of really interesting traits you could probably get him in the fifth round mm -hmm. and to me that's that's a similar that is a similar case to be made and you people get frustrated about that i'm like well but it's the same great athlete great leader great tools but I only have to spend a fifth round pick to roll the dice there. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work out, no big deal. If you throw roll the dice with that fifth pick and it doesn't work out for quarterback specifically, mm -hmm. most of the time, Dana, you've lost four years of oh, your yeah. franchise chasing after like figuring that out. And well, the exact position that the Patriots and Jets are in right now. Yeah. Right. And so you, you spent that high pick, you got this quarterback doesn't work out. And now you're having to pay Aaron Rodgers $60 million. Like it's just, it's just a bad and idea. And there's not a lot of Aaron Rodgers <laughs> level guys that just happen to be available when you need them uh, in those situations. So anyway, I, it's just the opportunity cost for me. And, mm -hmm. and if, if you're talking about CJ Stroud, I feel a little different than I could actually get behind that. I don't think he's going to be there at five. I don't think the Seahawks are going to have that opportunity. I Bryce Young, I think can be a, a good quarterback. I think he's that, that height thing. I know that other people are like, no, don't worry about it. Well, it's not just the height. He also is like 185 pounds. Like, yeah. it's like, there's some issues there. Yeah. I, I do wonder about like, I'm not ready to commit him to him as a franchise quarterback mm -hmm. for, for my team. But CJ Stroud's a guy that has enough things that I could get excited about that. It's just, man, I would rather gamble with some of these guys in the fifth round and then come back and maybe, maybe come back next year and try again. 
um, and, and just keep keep kind of reloading in that regard. Meanwhile, build up the rest of your roster because Dana, this roster is pretty bare still. It needs mm-hmm. a lot of talent at positions outside of quarterback. The longer you wait to get that rookie quarterback, the longer that you have a chance to actually benefit from that whole mm-hmm. rookie deal. So I know I'm a broken record. I know people are excited about Anthony Richardson. I, I Well, you should be. He's a great athlete. It doesn't mean that he's going to be the fit at that spot. And I honestly don't think he'll be there. I think there's too many other teams that are high on him. Um, and, and so I don't think he'll sit there. But at the same time, I, I get I get why people get excited about young quarterbacks. I totally yeah, get sure. it. And I understand why people maybe aren't as excited about Gino, which I don't agree with, but I kind of understand maybe where that headspace is. I just don't think it's the time. I just don't think it's time. I think that you need another year. There'll be more good college quarterbacks coming out. This isn't the end all be all draft, you know? Yeah. And look, there's folks that are going to be super frustrated about this and are just all in. I will say that not only do I just feel differently this year, I think the Seahawks do too. Mm-hmm. You, you could be yelling at me or Dana all you want. I think the chances that Seahawks go quarterback at five is super low. In fact, I've put up 500 bucks to say, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback at five. Yeah. And I know you've put, you put some money bucks, up there yeah. too. So like <laughs> it, by the way, if you haven't gone to patreon.com slash Hawk blogger and signed up to get to the Slack channel, you should, because you can get in on this action. There are folks that have put up money that they are going to draft a quarterback. We are putting up money that they are not. And whoever loses will pay that total to charity so mm-hmm. good time to, to, to do, do that right now yes and press the like button please people that would be awesome all right so this is something you said you wanted to talk about you said in our chat you're like i really want to talk about this and so i'm dying to know who you're thinking because you must be thinking of a couple of players if you want to talk about this so bad so you said you wanted to talk about players that maybe teams think differently of than maybe the mock drafters think either good or bad. I wasn't really sure which way you were leaning, but maybe there's some players that are either, you know, going under the radar or maybe getting too hyped. Well, what were you thinking? I, uh, yeah, part of what's going on here, Dana, is I have heard from a number of folks that there is a perception that, mock drafts are more inaccurate this year than they've been for a long time. Really? That NFL teams are like, I don't understand what's coming out there. I think part of that is because things like the PFF mock draft simulator that we've used, or the, I think it's the draft networks mock draft. Mm-hmm. They're based off of those organizations or those um, sites rankings. And they affect the draft every time there's players available at weird times. And so I think you're seeing NFL teams feel differently about some of these prospects, which got me to start thinking like, who, who are the guys that the teams could feel differently about? And I think you have to start, you have to start with the quarterbacks and, and, and I don't know, like for, for geeky people out there, you think about error bars, like, like what's the highest they potentially could go and the lowest they could potentially go and the farther away, the larger, the, the, the bar is. And I think that a guy like Will Levis is probably near the top of that list. There's a lot of drafts. We've been talking about him like pretty much clearly a top 10, top five guy. There are some, there are some folks that have him going in the second round. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's, 
we've seen quarterbacks slip. We, we heard all last year, even though there was, I think, much, much less quarterback talent than we have yeah. this year. The first quarterback taken wasn't taken until the 20s. You didn't have Malik Willis didn't go forever. People were waiting for that to happen. I think that could happen again. Um, I actually think Dorian Thompson Robinson's another good example of that. Like that's a guy that if you go at PFF rankings, they basically have him as an undrafted free agent, like not drafted. Like they think he's essentially, it wouldn't shock me if some team takes him in the third round, like Mm -hmm. he could be all the way up there for some teams. Um, I think there's some other guys that are interesting in this regard, Dana. I think, uh, there's been some rumor that the, that teams don't like the receivers in this draft as much mm-hmm. as uh, we're seeing. So Jeff and I both have been not super high on Quinton Johnston um, at a TCU. He could go really high or, or much lower. I think that I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is pretty safe, like to be yeah. a high, high draft pick. Tyree Wilson, another name that wide variance. There's teams that there are people that have them getting drafted number two or number three mm-hmm. in the draft, and others having them in the twenties. Um, so I think there's a few of these guys that have pretty wide variants. I think Nolan Smith is on there. I'll tell you, Dana. Like I, I've been on this guy for a little while now. I think two guys, Will McDonald and Kalijah Cansey, mm-hmm. they could go. It would not shock me all of a sudden if Will McDonald goes top 15. And a lot of people have him in the second round. I think Kalijah Cansey, there's a lot of people that say, yeah, maybe he's in the 20s. He could go in the top 10. He could also go in the second round. Like It's a pretty wide variance on some of these guys. So I just think that we're going to see... We're going to see some surprises. Um, uh, One other guy I'll bring up there is... uh, Adi Adi um, out of uh, Northwestern. And I personally, I'm not a, I'm not as high on him as others. I, mm-hmm. I I'd love to see extra draft him, but he's like a late second round pick in my mind. There's a lot of te- people that are mocking him in the first round. So, you know, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these players play out, but there could be, there could be some surprises, especially that affect the 20th pick for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Or if they trade back from that pick, the 37th pick. I think it'll start to kind of round out after that. But there's some names we've talked about a lot that might not get called until day two. So it's just going to be really it's gonna be fun to see that play out. Well, yeah, I think it's just unexpected. You know, there's a lot of years where you almost know who the first five are going to be. Last year was kind of a good example of that. You just kind of know. Now, the first round pick last year was a little bit of a surprise, but it was just, you know, you really expected, you know, to kind of, you knew who was going to go. And, and, but this year, it does seem a lot more of a crapshoot. You know that, you know, Carolina is taking a quarterback. People can talk all day long that the Texans aren't going to take a quarterback. They are. They're going to take a quarterback at two. I, I can almost guarantee. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I really, I can't. I mean, the, from everything that I have read and heard and that they're just obsessed with Bryce Young and they're hoping to God that the Panthers don't take Bryce Young, um, which I don't know if that's such a good idea, but I'm just going to let that be. Um, you know, Arizona, if they're smart, they're going to trade out, which then who comes up? And I always, I was said earlier in our, in our group chat, you know, Atlanta has spent a lot of money in free agency. They are literally only missing one piece. Could they be the team that pops up to get a quarterback at this point? So I think that there's there's a lot 
could be really fun. That flex that goes on even before Seattle picks their first one. And then definitely between five and 20, there's going to be the way it falls out. It's going to just be fascinating. And I think that we will have an idea if there's a player that kind of falls, Seattle might stick at 20 or they might just trade out of it and said, you know what? We can pick everyone of us out, you know, from the 20 or from second round back. So it'll be interesting. I think it's, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun draft room. I'm excited <laughs> to watch those. I love to watch the videos of the draft rooms, you know, the different teams. So we'll see. They One more really player just, I forgot that I wanted to bring up on this that has a wide variance is uh, Lucas Van Ness. So this is an edge yeah. player. Dana, this is one of the more odd ones. He has some amazing tape where you see him just push like plow guys into the backfield on the edge. He also never was a starter. Mm -hmm. So when do you have a guy that didn't even start getting some conversation as a top 10 pick? I don't think there's many examples of mm -hmm. that. So, you know, I think that's not a guy I think is a great fit for Seattle. There's a lot of team, like a lot of mocks that have him going to Seattle. I don't think that's a great fit. Yeah, it's weird. Should we talk about some of these guys that have shown up in Seattle? And then we can yes. get some Patreon questions. So yes, I have that. my little list here. Please forgive me. Um, so obviously Jalen Carter has been in. We talked about that just a little bit either, um, earlier. Uh, Dewan Jones out of Ohio State came in. Um, tackle. I, I, you're going to hear a lot. There's a lot of offensive lineman yeah. on this list. I was pretty, pretty surprised. Oh my goodness. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so, so it's Adabawar, I think is how you say yeah, it. That's Adi -Adi. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Out of Northwestern. Um, Clearing, you have Ringo, Trenton Simpson, um, Jamie Robinson, Tyler Steen, Byron Young, Jartavius Martin from Illinois. Uh, there's yeah. One ride wide receiver. The one wide receiver was Charlie Jones out of Purdue. Good for you, Charlie Jones. <laughs> I love Charlie Jones. Do you really? Yes. So this is a player we haven't talked about a lot, Dana. What I think the Seahawks need from a receiver right now, they've got DK, they've got Tyler, they, they're, they're great. But they haven't had the slot receiver who can get open on third down who can be sneaky in a zone, find open spots, be a good, reliable receiver and be smart enough to work with Gino to make mm -hmm. the, like th there's, there's on those third down plays on those zone plays, the quarterback has to be thinking in sync with the receiver to break the right direction or bad things happen. Charlie Jones is that guy. He is like the Julian Edelman type slot receiver um, that is just smart shifty he's not your deep thread or anything like that but man i think he would be a home run addition and you could probably get him in the fourth round maybe the fifth round you know he's not a big dude but i think that would be a great great ad yeah uh nick herbig out of wisconsin oh my gosh edge rusher out of him um jordan mcfadden from clemson um Braden daniels from utah yaya diaby i just love the name i i mean oh, yeah i yeah, it's fantastic. Anthony Bradford from LSU, Jake Andrews from Troy and Little School. God, I love Little Schools. Um, Robert Cooper from Florida State, um, Jordan Howden, Drake Thomas, Calvin Avery, and Jarek Reed II. 
um, you know, handful of edge rushers, obviously, but a lot of offensive linemen. And I think more than anything, it's really been interesting is that these are, these are later round guys. These aren't necessary. I mean, you got your big ones, you got Carter, you got, you know, the couple of them that are uh, kind of the earlier rounds, but really, I think they're trying to look at for depth in these visits. Um, maybe because they didn't get a lot of tape on them, maybe, you know, whatever it may be. But I, I found that interesting that you could, you could almost feel that they were just kind of going through the, the, what kind of depth do we need at this position? So. Can I tell you what jumped out to me when I started looking at this yeah. list more in depth? Mm-hmm. So one thing I think we have talked about a little bit, almost all the offensive linemen they brought in are tackles mm-hmm. that are projected to play guard in the NFL. So on one hand, what does that tell us? Well, that, that, that fits a, a pattern that we've seen from Andy Dickerson and the Rams in terms of how they've done their offensive line for guards. They like movers. They like tackles that play that position. Dewan Jones is the one aberration there. Mm-hmm. The, the guy that, again, we talk about variants. He's some places he's a first round pick, some places he's a second, but if he goes to the Seahawks, it's hard to see him playing six, eight, three seventy five at a guard position. He's not a mover and they like movers at guard. So he mean that Abe Lucas would shift to guard. But the point is all of that, Dana, all of that points to the fact that despite what people thought when Phil Haynes signed his deal and like, Oh, they're not looking for guards. They, they feel like they're no, they're absolutely looking for a guard. They're like, that's an open position now. And so I think that that's great news. It's really, really good news. Cause they could have just thought, Ah, Phil Haynes started most of the year. He's fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. They are going to bring in competition. So that's awesome. So that's one thing. Two, the thing that jumped out to me, and we've been asking about this, the Seahawks have not drafted ever a nose tackle. And I'm talking about a three, four nose tackle. And, and really, you could argue they really haven't drafted ever a true run stuffing nose tackle um, hmm. in, in all the Schneider's history. But what you see with Robert Cooper from Florida State, this guy is 6'2", 335 pounds, okay? When you talk about, I think his name's Avery, I want to bring him back up, Calvin Avery. Calvin Avery from Illinois. 6'2", 345 pounds. I don't need to know anything about them on the field. What their measurements tell me, Dana, is guess what? The Seahawks are playing their 3-4 next year. I don't care what anyone says. The only reason you look at guys 335, 345 is because you're playing 3-4 and you're playing, you're plugging a nose tackle in the middle. Mm-hmm. So that does mean that guys like Siake Ika, that guys like Mazzy Smith are on their radar. It doesn't mean that the Seahawks will take them in the first round or the second round. And it might mean that they're looking at these guys, Cameron Young's another guy later. They might be looking at these guys as undrafted free agents that would fit. But that, from a scheme perspective, is really telling because then that means if they're going to be 3-4 and they're going to have that nose tackle, it does mean they're looking for 3-4 defensive ends. And mm-hmm. so a lot of things that come out of that. I think the Charlie Jones thing was great. Uh, I just told you, like, it means they're looking for that type of receiver. Mm-hmm. I think that's good to know. And the other things, the two other things I'll just say, they, they brought in a fair number of cornerbacks and safeties. Safety is interesting because they've got plenty, but they're looking at safety. They're looking at strong safeties, box kind of safeties, and Mm -hmm. they've looked at some others. 
But the fact that they're looking at corners like Ringo and stuff like that, that's a sign that they do see that as a place. They could decide that they had Trey Brown and they've got Kobe Bryant and they've got Michael Jackson and they've got Tariq Wool and we don't really need a corner. They're looking at corners. So this idea that they might really like Devin Witherspoon may not be totally crazy. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that jumped out is from a linebacker perspective, I think Trenton Simpson, he's an early round guy. And the fact that they're looking at him is good news. I think he's a good fit for them. I think you look at Nick Herbig. He's another guy who is a mover. He's generally actually played defensive end. He's been like a pass. Mm-hmm. But he really like size wise, he's more of a three, four outside linebacker. He's like, but he could potentially be an off ball linebacker for them. Um, and so what does it all mean, Dana? It means that the things that we've been talking about as needs guard. Oh, and they brought in a center. Okay. Uh, that was yep, Jake Andrews. Mm-hmm. Right. So they brought in guards, center, linebacker, slot receiver, corner, you know, edge, defensive lineman, and nose tackle. These are the things we've been saying that they need. Mm-hmm. It, it's a sign that they, they see the same needs. So I, I think that's a, it's a very telling list of, of who they've brought in so far. Well, I mean, the holes were pretty blatant at this point, right? Like we could, we all knew exactly what, where the holes were. And, and I think that that's, you know, what they're looking at. And, and, you know, to me, this also feels a little bit like, well, we're going to trade back and have extra picks later. And so maybe that could be in there a little bit. I think it just kind of depends. Um, so I, I think it'll be, it'll be fun, but I will tell you that from everything that I have read, because like I said, I have said this a million times, you know, I don't watch a ton of college ball. So I just started to read about them after, you know, during the draft season that a lot of these guys on the list, you see people say, Oh yeah, that, that would, that would fit the Seahawks model. And so I think that that's, that's probably pretty good. You hear good things about them. So, all right. If we do not get to these Patreon questions, we're going to be here all night. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay. Once again, everyone, Brian Spiel, go to patreon.com slash Hawk blocker. Make sure you join, you get into the Slack group, and then you get to ask us these fun questions. All right. So we're going to start with, um, oh, this one was interesting. It's from Faz. It says, would you guys be open to a Frank Clark reunion if the cap space situation changes? You answer that one, Dana. What do you think? I don't know. I, I don't know that that I would. So I live here in Kansas City. I've watched a lot of Frank Clark play lately, um, and he looks really good. Most of the time, I, I would still, I, I don't know that he'll be worth the money. I think he's going to hold out for a lot of money. Um, I don't know whether or not he'll get it, but coming off a championship team never hurts. Right. And their defense did look better last year. Um, but I just don't think, I don't think that would be very high on my priority list. Yeah. I think he's an odd fit for them. Frank Clark is more mm-hmm. of a true four, three defensive end. I don't see him being able to do what Uchenna Nuosu does and drop into coverage and play in space in the same way. So I just, I don't think he fits Mm-mm. with what the Seahawks need. No, I mean, and they, they got rid of him for a reason kind of. So, all right. This one is also from Faz. It's his second question. It says, what are your guys' thoughts on the rumors that Jeff Bezos is interested in buying the Seahawks? Okay. First I want to say, are you kidding me with $6 billion for the stinking commanders? Like I was just, I read that and I was like, Oh God, it just makes me nauseous. Dana, this is a lesson. I mean, this is how our, 
how does how kids now learn lessons that if you are a terrible, terrible human being that does awful things, you get to you make are billions forced of dollars. to make millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. That's your punishment. Oh, God, it just made me nauseous. Absolutely nauseous. Um, I, I don't have a problem. Although I, I don't know. I think that Jody Allen's doing just a fine job running it right now. Um, <laughs> I wish I could get to a website. That's cute. Um, I think she's doing a fine job. But if she decides to sell it, I, I don't really have a problem with Jeff. I mean, I don't love him as a human, but he's got a lot of money. So I care about the Seahawks. I care about the Seahawks being good. And like, if you're going to tell me that we get to have an owner who has a lot of disposable income to pour in, who also has local connections. And why not? I'm good. And, and also happens to have built some, you know, a, a lot of pretty impressive things. I think that could help. So yeah, bring it on. I'd yeah, be all for it. All right. Imani. Um, does the shroud around Seattle's decision at number five leave you more excited or nervous as a fan? Hmm. How about, Brian's where, never excited. He's always nervous. I know. I told you to start the show. I am so excited. I, yeah. I, it's so nice, Dana, because for, for a few years, it just wasn't that fun to be a Seahawks fan. Right. It was, it was really just like, ah, we do this for charity. I don't want to stop doing it, but it also is just not that enjoyable to be totally honest. I just didn't, I didn't feel good about the team. I wasn't excited about the players. I wouldn't, if I wasn't that excited about Russell, I didn't enjoy the fan base and how it was split and all that stuff. I am excited now. So mm -hmm. I think for this fifth pick, it does give me some heartburn. I, I will He's say excited, the most, so it makes him nervous. <laughs> the most positive way I could put it is the Seahawks are not going to be, unless they pass on Jalen Carter, they are not going to be in a situation like my Blazers have been where they've had a top pick and passed off on Michael Jordan or passed on Sam Bowie, or sorry, passed on um, Kevin Durant. Because really the other guys, other teams are going to be making choices ahead of them. So it's going to be a pretty straightforward selection unless they decide that Jalen Carter is a guy they can't draft. And at that point, it will be a little stressful. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be excited until the name Will Anderson is read before number five and then i'm gonna be like oh crap now what so a little while i'll have to wait and see what happens but all right um let me see let's see this is from derek question for brian does the players tribune article from anthony richardson make you more inclined to root for him to be drafted by the seahawks instead of a defensive player I have nothing against Anthony Richardson as a person. I think he seems like a great guy. I read the article and the short answer is no, doesn't really change anything for me. I, I think some of the things he called out in there of like, Hey, I, I read what people say. I know this. I will, I will ask people go watch him even in the combine with no one around not throw the deep balls. That's what everyone focuses on. Watch him try to throw the fade pattern to receivers who are like 10 yards away. He throws those a million miles an hour. Like mm -hmm. he, he does, ha he has no touch on that whatsoever. That's like Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance is a guy that had a lot of athletic talent. Didn't have as much experience playing football, starting at least 
And we laugh at the 49ers that they've been stuck with him. They got super lucky with Brock Purdy, but I just think people are getting super, super caught up with the athleticism and missing the fact that from a on-field percent, like on-field perspective, he had flashes, but for a lot of it, he was, you know, he threw a lot of picks. Forget the accuracy thing, like which also is is a bigger problem than people want to admit. I just, I think there's a lot, a lot of work to do there, mm-hmm. and that is just way more risk than I'm ready for right now at that particular position. If you draft Jalen Carter and he trap and he he like he's no good, they're not going to stick with him for four years to find another defensive mm-hmm. tackle. So look at it this way here. I, I, I have said, I really don't want a quarterback at five and that's, I mean, just kind of because my preference, but if for some weird reason, Jalen Carter, I'm not Jalen Carter. I'm sorry. Richardson is sitting there at 20. I would be totally okay with him grabbing him at 20, just not five. So I, I mean, I would be okay with that. I think that he can be cultivated a little bit if the talent level is there, but he's only had 13 starts. So we don't really yeah. know, you know? And I, so there's a lot of question marks. I, I agree. I, makes I, me, that makes me nervous. <laughs> I know people get annoyed about it. We've talked about it. And I, I, I see people in the chat talking about, well, what about Josh Allen? And Josh Allen has accuracy fixed. That's like saying, well, just Drew Locke's going to be the next Geno Smith. These things don't happen. Wait, all there the are time. people who think that. So don't start that. They absolutely <laughs> do. But that's, that's not how, that's not how this works. Just because it happens once in 30 years doesn't mean that then it's going to happen again, like right away. That that's actually like much less likely to happen again. So the Josh Allen transformation was very unlikely. It happened and it worked. I happen to be a Josh Allen fan coming out. So I was happy about that. But any event, you cannot just assume that now all of a sudden it's easy to fix accuracy Mm -hmm. because it happened with one guy. Yeah. Doesn't mean it won't happen. You just don't know. And that's the question mark. And he's going to go, he's going to go too high to, for that question mark for, for my stomach to handle for sure. So Um, we talked about this a little bit. This is from Eric, but is there a situation where you think it would make sense to draft a tackle and move Lucas inside? Or should the Seahawks be looking strictly for garden center? I know we kind of answered that already that you think that they should look for garden center. I'd rather them get a, a great guard and keep Lucas where he is, but I'm open to it. Um, yeah. I just want them to improve two spots on the offensive line instead of just one. Mm-hmm. All right. Tony for in, in Montana, he says um, there has been a lot of talk about trading Fant. Most involves clearing cap space. Would you consider trading Fant for uh, Devon White if the salary could be figured out um, this add strength to an area where the Hawks need multiple players. What's your thought? Um, I don't really have a problem trading fan. I mean, I, I don't dislike Fant as much as some other people do. I think he's fine. I think he was serviceable. I think he made some really nice catches last year. Um, and so maybe with another year under him, he could really, you know, you know, get it rolling. But at the same time, this is a very talented tight end class and so you could get a rookie tight end maybe to do the same thing um i just think that we you start trading for some of these players the the salary cap is already super tight i don't know unless they just were to start dumping other players which i don't think that's really something i know it's not something i want and i know exactly you know who i'm talking about but um i i really don't know that that could be worth if it could be worked out i mean sure i i'm fine with trading fan yeah no problems here yeah all right. Uh, Brendan Light. 
Um, after he is drafted at five, which color? <laughs> Sorry, I should have read this before. Uh, which color are you buying the Anthony Richardson jersey in action green or the throwback? Sorry, I should have read that prior. I, I will well say done. if they draft, if, if they call and name Anthony Richardson on in two weeks, I will, uh, I, you, will not see, you will not see a D Eskridge face from me. You will not hear me giving a, an F grade. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not that level. I just, it's not the pick I want. All right. All right. So this is from Jason. Question two, if I get one. Yeah, you can have a second question. That's it. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, wait, here's his first one. Okay, I'm sorry. Which Seahawks um, on expiring deals are back in 2024? Nuosu, Fant, Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis, or Phil Haynes? Is this an or, or can there be multiple? No, I think you could pick all of them if you wanted. Yeah. So Nuosu seems likely. I think. Yeah, I hope so. Lewis is a question mark. That'll depend on how Phil Haynes plays and what they get at mm -hmm. guard this year, because there might be a cheaper option that is doing well. I don't think fans going to be back most likely. And then who are the other folks? Uh, Daryl Taylor. That one's fascinating. Dana. Mm -hmm. People forget that guy had like nine and a half sacks last year. And what yeah, was really I thought he played great. Year. Mm -hmm. but he stunk against the run. He hasn't shown he's a great fit as a three, four outside linebacker. Do you get, what if, if he goes like 10 sacks this year, do you let that walk? That'd no. be, like, that'd be tough. And it would be unlike the Seahawks. So I, I think he sticks around, but it'll really depend. I mean, he, he will command a lot of money and he might not be the best fit for the defense they're running. So yeah, and it depends on who they get this year. I think that that's going to be a big, big part of it. It does. All right. For Braxton, should Seattle be intrigued by one of the guys in this great tight end class? What do you think a Noah Fant trade would net us in return? Sorry. I didn't read that one prior either. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very interested in this tight end class. I think that um, you could, there's a couple of, you know, one or two good ones that'll go early. And I think that that's got some pretty good depth. I don't hate the Titans we have, though. I think that they're completely functional. I mean, Will Disley, he has his moments. You know, I, I think that if you get rid of one of them, of course, you should draft one. But I would be okay if they stood pat, but I wouldn't I wouldn't mind them getting another one. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Same. I, I would be more excited about drafting a quarterback early in this draft and trading Fant than keeping Fant and not yeah. drafting a, court, a tight end. Sorry. Tight end, did I say yeah. quarterback? You right, did. <laughs> Yeah, tight end. Sorry, quarterback on the mind. All right, so this one's from Jen. It says, do you think John and Pete have learned their lesson from Malik McDowell, LJ Collier, and D. Eskridge? I don't know. They're, he's still what would be the, the lesson? That they're busts. I mean, how but how do you know that before? He just don't. I mean, Malik, Malik had some red flags for sure. Malik McDowell, D. Eskridge, and who is the other person? Uh, LJ. LJ Collier. Mm -hmm. Do you see a connective tissue, like a connective thread between those three? Just that they didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they suck, basically. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know what and the lesson is. Like, like the D. Eskridge lesson, like what do you... Yeah. If there's anything, maybe that it, it's a Creed Humphrey lesson, not a D. Eskridge lesson, like that center can be a massively impactful position. Yeah. We'll see if they've learned that lesson. I have a feeling they might have learned that lesson, but we'll see. God, I hope so. <laughs> uh, the LJ Collier one... 
That one is interesting, Dana, because mm -hmm. I mean, I wrote about this in the article I shared uh, this week, which is on Schneider's draft history, all the positions he's ever picked in what rounds mm -hmm. um, and his tendencies. They've had a they've been open about this. They've had this tendency where if there's a position group that is a little bit thinner and they have a need at that position, they will kind of overdraft there. Like mm -hmm. LJ Collier was the last guy that they kind of liked in the defensive line. There had been a little bit of a run at that point in that year. So they drafted him higher than they wanted and they left more talented players that had better grades on their board for other teams. And I'm it's the I think, panic pick. They, I think they have they've learned that lesson maybe because mm -hmm. last year they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my best hope that maybe they've learned the LJ Collier lesson of all those things. Yeah. It's the panic pick. And you see that all the time in the draft where they'll mm -hmm. start to be a run and other teams are like, oh, 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 and so then they'll follow suit. Um, and so, yeah, but smart teams don't do that. So hopefully yeah. they figured that out. All right. So this is from Gar. Um, there's a chance one or both picks, five or 20 could be traded and more picks acquired. Would you be opposed to trading back into the end of the first round for a quarterback if we didn't take one already? Mm -hmm. Um and already, if one of Richardson, uh, Levis, or Hooker are there. So what I'm hearing in the question is, assume that we have one in 20, and then we potentially trade from 37 up into the okay. first round. I think mm -hmm. that's what the question is. And I've, I've, there's actually a mock draft out there that has the Seahawks doing this. Mm -hmm. And it would mean trading both second round picks so 37 and 52 to get up into like the late first round. I, I I'm not excited about that. I, I, I am more excited about having more, like, I think the strengths, strength of this draft is one through four, maybe to five, depending on how you feel about Jalen Carter. And then it is really like, 15 through 60, 55. Mm -hmm. And so, so many good picks there. I don't yeah. want to give up more bites at the apple. I, mm -hmm. I want a center. I want a guard. I want a slot receiver. I want a good linebacker. I I'm okay. If they don't draft a quarterback until later, I, I think that that would be my preference. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this as a side note from that. So let's say they stick at 20. Are you going to be mad if they take one of the centers at 20? No. <laughs> me? Someone asked me that today on Twitter, and I was like, absolutely not, especially if it's Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Like, come on, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it would be so good. And yes, yeah. if he ends up in Seattle. That'll be his name. Sorry, guys. That's yes. Just, yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Ooh, this is from Nick. Would the Seahawks be better off acquiring Burns from the Panthers to pair with Draymond or drafting a promising edge prospect? Draft. Yeah. Draft, 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 draft. Do not trade for veterans that you have to pay a lot of money for. I've heard Chase Young. People want to know about, should we go get Chase Young from the commanders? No. Stay no. young and cheap, people. Young yes. and cheap. All right. Let's see. Oh, this breaks my heart, but I want your answer, Brian. Okay, it's from Sean. What compensation would you need to trade Tyler Lockett? I was someone who was talking about this going to this year. I mean, Tyler's turning 30. He's at the top of his game. This is the point where you could potentially still get meaningful value for him in return. 
I think I saw a tweet today that I retweeted that he's the only player in the NFL that's had at least eight touchdowns receiving in the last five years straight or something like that. I mean, this is a really good player. I love Tyler Lockett. Nothing's about mm -hmm. no, none of this is about that. But similar to the Bobby Wagner situation, there was a point where they could have traded him for significant return mm -hmm. and spent less money on him and then built back up. They waited too long. He had no value. They had to cut him. Now you're going to have Tyler Lockett turning 31 in a little like a year from now or whatever. And he's going to be making $24 million a year, 23 million. Like it starts to get harder to justify that, that no matter how you feel about him, just from a cap situation, from a roster management, I think it's the right time to be thinking about it. So it depends on if you get a receiver in this draft, like a Zay Flowers, who is like Tyler Lockett. Then I think you could potentially, I don't know what you'd get for him. I don't think a third rounder is out of the question, but I don't think you'd get much more than that. Probably. Really? Yeah. Even though the wide receiver class is so thin this year. You never know, but like yeah. you, you look at, you look at the guys that are getting like the, the, the trades that are out there. It seems weird. Dan. I mean, like Deandre Hopkins gets traded when he's young and amazing and he yeah. gets traded for not that much. That's fair. Um, so it, it's just hard to predict. And Tyler's old enough, and I think he's underappreciated. So I, I don't know that he'd be a guy that I'd expect much more than a third. Yeah, it's fair. All right, two more questions. All right, a couple more questions. So this one's from Sam. Does drafting Anderson or Carter change where other players on our roster will play position-wise, i.e. Dre Jones playing edge if we draft Carter or a three-tech if we draft Anderson? Does draft so so does drafting Anderson change what I didn't mean, hear it that. Says, it says it says Dre Jones playing edge if we draft Carter and then they have or three tech if we draft Anderson. I see. So there's they're, they're talking about where Draymond Jones is going to mm -hmm. play based yep. on whether we draft Anderson or Carter. I think that Draymond Jones is a three four end one way or another. And if you're talking about three technique, five technique, all those pieces, right. I think that's a little bit too early to say he's, he's really a classic three technique kind of player. He's, he's off the guard, you know, shaded off one of those guys and you just want him up there disrupting. I, uh, you know, Carter, he also profiles potentially as a three, four end, but he could also be a penetrating nose tackle depending on how you want to play him. So he can play all over the line. And Anderson is very much a three, four outside linebacker in our defense. He's not a mm -hmm. defensive lineman. So I don't think he really will affect the Draymond mm -hmm. Jones situation much. Yeah. So maybe it's possible if it's Carter, but not for Anderson. I, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, this one's from Adam. It says lots of serious people have Wilson above Anderson. There is no nightmare scenario, right? Carter, Anderson, Wilson, or Richardson will be there. Maybe all four. We should probably just trust JC, right? I think John Snyder is what it means. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll see. All right. So this last question is from Katie. She says, I'm holed up at home with COVID. Poor Katie. Oh, Katie, I, um, sorry. Says, what a, what's a great Seahawks game I should pull from the archives and watch? A victory would be preferable. I mean, I already feel crappy enough. My favorite go-to game that I will pull out and watch is usually the Green Bay um, uh, NFC Championship game because that game was such a disaster and turned out so well. Um, I will usually watch the San Francisco, um, the champion, uh, the 
NFC, NFC championship, championship game yep. to also. Um, but this year I was home and I had a cold one day and I pulled out that Denver game. It just really made me happy oh. from the beginning of the season. So that's what I would do. What, what ones do you like to watch? Brian? Those are all great. Yeah. I, I'd throw out from this year. I think the Detroit game was a pretty fun game mm-hmm. to watch a lot. Of, like, like if you like too. a lot of action, I would put some of the older ones. I'd put the Seahawks against the Steelers. I think it was like 2015, oh. maybe where it was Roethlisberger against Russ and they just went crazy and they ended up winning with the Doug Baldwin play at the end or mm-hmm. like they put it away. I think there was also, depending on if you can stomach it, the, the Seahawks where they were going against Deshaun Watson and the Texans mm-hmm. and there was a big shootout in in Seattle and then the other one I, I would always throw out there, another Houston one, as a matter of fact, was the 2013 comeback yep. where Sherman loses his shoe in overtime. I was at that game. It was a great oh game. Oh, my God. I was at that what game. What a great, so great game that was. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, that that is a fun game to watch for sure. So, all right. Oh. All right, Jeff says, based on the last draft, Pete lost overall power during the draft. Oh. Well, want to thank Jeff for the super chat. <laughs> yes, and, thank you. Uh, appreciate always the support, and uh, we will do our best as long as they're appropriate to put those up on the screen for other people mm-hmm. to see and read as well. Thank you, Jeff. That's awesome. Yeah. So Dana, is that it? Did we get through all the papers? That's all of them. Yes. Poor wow. Katie was last with her <laughs> with her COVID wow. thing. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, How so are sad. you feeling? Where, where's your head at? I, I'm excited because they, there's lots of, and I will get burned for this. I'm prepared for that. There's lots of ways that this could go really right for Seattle. Yeah. There's yeah. lots of ways. And so I think the instant reaction will be yay or boo. But I think once all the dust settles and you actually look at these people that they've drafted and unless they reach huge, which I just don't feel, I think they're not in that headspace right now to reach for these players. Um, I think we're going to let the dust settle and it's going to be another really good draft. They have so many picks. They have so many, you know, in the, in the first two rounds and it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun. I I'm, I'm hoping yeah. Twitter, keep it fun. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I would just say, I don't know if you do this at all. I spend some time thinking about how our rivals are thinking about this because San Francisco is sitting there with no first round picks, no second round picks. They can and, twiddle their thumbs for two days. <laughs> and they're like, those 49ers fans, they know the Seahawks got better last year. They know mm-hmm. it. And they know that the Seahawks have the second most draft capital of any team in this draft after the the Texans. And I think, I think if I was a 49ers fan, I would be hoping that they don't draft Jalen Carter. Because I would be sitting there thinking, man, if he ends up being in as good as people say they're going to close the gap with us significantly. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a position where I would feel concerned. I think Will Anderson would give me some concern as well, just because he's very likely to be a good player. He may not be great. He may not be Von Miller, but he's very likely to be a good player. Mm-hmm. And if they drafted a quarterback, I don't think I'd be worried about it, but I'd also probably not love that. I think it's it's when you talk about guys like Tyree Wilson or you talk about guys like even Witherspoon or like some of these small like 
either players that don't have the same upside players that that maybe are smaller and are not like that they're not going to physically change the game mm-hmm. that i don't think i'd be as worried if i yeah. was a 49ers fan like sure draft a receiver have a good time that. with that um, we'll, I will push you around. Right. I have a lot of 49ers fans on my feed because I do cover that one too for our turf. And, and um, the, the same conversation has been going on since the end of the season. It's all about their quarterback. And Grant Cohen put it out today. He goes, uh, the 49ers don't have a quarterback. We have a quarterback room. It's like they have like by committee basically. And I, so I think that that is so on their minds. You know, it's really interesting where we're at this year compared to last year when you look at this division because last year we Seattle was the butt of the jokes right they were like oh my god you're gonna have Geno Smith as your quarterback it's just so sad blah 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 you guys suck whatever and San Francisco was gonna rule the world with Trey Lance and you have the Rams that were so dominant and then of course Cliff Kingsbury was gonna figure it out whatever we figured we knew that wouldn't happen but you look at it this year Two teams are complete disasters. The Rams and the Cardinals are a disaster. They are dumpster Mm -hmm. fires. I don't Mm -hmm. know what is going to happen there. San Francisco is still a really good team, but they have this Mm -hmm. huge question mark that's just like looming over their head with their quarterback. And they did pick up a couple great players, but they lost some good players too. I I feel like, and this is not me being a homer, at least I hope it's not, Seattle almost feels the most stable (laughs) right now, which is a little weird. San Francisco is, as of right now, the more talented team. But I think that Seattle just feels the most stable as long as they hit this draft. Well, so I don't it. know. It's a weird place to be. I think that's well said. I I, yeah. I don't know if I'd describe it in the same way, but I think the quarterback position is a good example of that. We don't know what Brock Purdy's how he's going to come off this injury, if it's mm-hmm. going to be in the same time frame they say. Trey Lance is certainly not proven – uh, that's a big question mark. The, that team had did not start that season very well because they were getting you know middling quarterback play. And anyway, so I, I agree there. The thing I'll leave with Dana and mm-hmm. uh, don't want to keep you all night, but mm-hmm. but uh, if you go back to that playoff game, the Seahawks against the 49ers, mm-hmm. and you go back to that first half where things were actually going well. Mm-hmm. What were the Seahawks doing well in that first half? They were running the ball effectively. It wasn't that their defense played remarkably well. In fact, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant were struggling mightily. Mm-hmm. They couldn't cover guys. Like some of the things you were ha- hoping would be good were not. But the Seahawks were controlling the ball with the run game. And so I think there's a case to be made that if they add a good center, a powerful center, and they add a good guard and they get physical up front. That might be the best like probability bet to make. Mm-hmm. They could really stick with the 49ers, even more so than improving the defense, which you all know. I, I think that the, the, the Seahawks could end up being more of a thorn in their side if they get a center and a guard and really have a great offensive line for the next four years. If you can negate the 49ers defensive line and how great that is, mm-hmm. I think the 49ers are a much different team. Yeah. So. It's going to be fun. It, it feels like it'll be fun again because, you know, it was always fun when we beat them, but it was always fun when it was competitive. That was my favorite, you know, the team to, 
to beat, but I also like it when they're really good games. And so that'll be fun. I think it'll yeah. be good. Well, Dana, this has been fun. I appreciate yeah. you yeah. guiding us through. It's been fun to just be a little bit of a duo tonight, uh, talk through all this stuff. And I cannot believe we are two weeks away. A week from now, I will be actually probably just leaving now. I will be spending the, the evening with John Schneider and Tracy Schneider and Pete and some other folks. Uh, I will make sure that they tell me everything that we need to know about the draft. I'm sure they will share. And then two weeks from now, a week after that, you will be at the draft. We will be hosting our draft party for folks that haven't been paying attention. We are going to be doing a live draft show for the entire first round. And we're going to start before the first round. That's a lot of time on air, but we are all, we're going to be on air. Dana's going to be at the draft, so she won't be on it, but we will have Evan. We will have Jeff. We will have Nathan and you will see our reactions. If you have not watched us watch the draft before you will want to tune in. I think some of our best shows have been immediate reactions to draft picks. There's no revisionist history because it's, forever recorded and on youtube you can see exactly how we reacted to the ds gridge pick you can see exactly how we reacted to the lj collier pick i think i don't know if that one's on but in any event you'll see all those things and man there's some memorable moments so there are going to be memorable moments we are going to be losing our minds be there two weeks from today watch it with us it will be so much fun until then, please go ahead, hit the like button. Come on, folks. Appreciate that. Hit subscribe so you know when the, the shows are going live. And then go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Get immediate access to the Slack channel. Join there. Dana's there all the time having good conversations. Great conversations going on around the clock with people that absolutely think the Seahawks should draft Anthony Richardson and draft quarterbacks. So you don't just have to listen to my perspective or Dana's perspective. You can get other Seahawks fans, and they're all good folks. We intentionally keep it to friendly folks, and we ask people that aren't friendly to kindly go elsewhere. So uh, better than Twitter, in my opinion. Great information. Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. Join now because this is a community you're going to want to be part of for the next few years as the Seahawks really start to rise up. Until then, by the way, there's also a Mariners channel in there. We talk about Jared Kelnick and all the great things he's doing. Uh, I think there's a Kraken channel, although I'm not in it. Anyway, have a wonderful evening, everybody. Thank you to Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. You'll find her there. Until then, go Hawks and good night.